0: This is Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday edition of the show. Hope you guys are all having a great week, getting ready for the weekend starting tomorrow. A lot to talk about on today's show. We're going to discuss some BYU basketball news and notes, particularly looking at some of the details of if BYU isn't included into the National Invitational Tournament or the NIT, should they pursue playing in one of the other tournaments they actually have to pay for. We'll talk about That in the first segment here. Second segment, as promised on yesterday's podcast, we'll catch up with BYU defensive end Zach Daw. I said defensive end, he's made a new position switch from defensive tackle a year ago. We'll talk about that with him in the second segment. And then in the final segment of the show, we'll catch up on all the other news and notes when it comes to other BYU sports baseball and softball in action tonight, but men's volleyball as well. A big honor for a BYU women's volleyball player. So, a lot to get to. We'll cover it all for you as we always always do right here on this podcast. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is America's number one daily podcast network. All right, let's get going. This is Locked On Cougars for March 14th, 2019. All right, guys, I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, also your BYU Insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. I've been covering BYU for going on a decade at this point in my career. It's a blast to do this podcast each and every day. There is no shortage of topics when it comes to BYU sports each and every day. I know a lot of people wondered when this venture started. Well, how are you going to carry this on for a full year? Well, 144 episodes as of today's podcast and counting, Wayne Sloan down anytime soon and I thank you guys for your continued support of the podcast uh, please subscribe rate and review I'll get that out of the way right now at the top of today's show if you give us that subscription rating and review, and you send me a screenshot of it on social media whether at Jacob C Hatch my personal Twitter feed or at the locked on Cougars Twitter feed we'll give you a follow I love following BYU fans but I'm going to reward you guys I don't follow a lot of BYU fans but I'm going to reward the ones that give us that subscription rating and review if you can prove you've already done done the rating and review also follow you no problem just send me the evidence of it i'm happy to do that just let me know and i will make sure to follow you on our various social media channels you also can follow the show on instagram and facebook at locked on cougars as well all right with that out of the way let's talk some byu basketball um, a lot of people talking about, well, does BYU did they make the NIT after they flamed out of the West Coast Conference Tournament? I've lit them up pretty heavily this week on, on this podcast, and I feel like it for good measure because it's just, it, it's abysmal what happened in that game. They looked listless, list, they didn't look like they had any life. Well, now here comes the debate of, okay, does BYU make the NIT? Um, some of the projections out there, I saw Greg Rubel uh, retweeted one of the prognosticators who had BYU in the the NIT field as a seven seed facing number two seed Clemson in the first round to be making a cross country trip to face the Tigers and I, I saw a couple other tweets from people asking about that and he said he actually had BYU and incidentally enough UVU as the last two teams into the field of the NIT based on current projections of teams making the NCAA tournament, automatic qualifiers etc because if you're a regular season champion in a conference that doesn't make, doesn't win your conference championship, the tournament, I should say, you're given that spot in the NIT to compete there. So that could definitely change BYU standing, but currently still projected in at least a couple of the brackets when it comes to the NIT. If BYU makes the NIT, you go play in it. I have no problem saying that. I've had some people, I had a buddy of mine who has my cell phone number text me and said, Why are you so harsh about BYU playing in the postseason? I'm like, "No, No, no, I'm not trying to be harsh about the NIT. I think the NIT would be great. Like I've said previously on this podcast, if BYU was invited to the NIT and in the prism of how this season went, making the NIT would be an accomplishment. So, do that no problem the national invitational tournament used to be the premier college basketball tournament BYU's got two banners in the Marriott Center um talking well, that promote the fact that they've won the NIT twice back in its heyday well if BYU is invited ultimately to play in the NIT you do it I think and I don't there's no chance BYU's getting a home game at least in the first round of that tournament so don't count on that but if they're invited to play in that they should do it. Now, where I have an issue is with the CBI or the CIT tournaments. A college Basketball Invitational, I think the Collegiate Invitational Tournament are the official monikers for them. The CBI is the more prominent of the two. My issue with this is you actually have to pay to play in these tournaments. Uh, it looks like, I, based on some people that have tweeted out, and I have also just looked up some numbers, the current projection is about $70,000 to buy yourself in. To that tournament. I'm speaking of the CBI. I should clarify that. So, if you want to play in the CBI tournament this year, it's currently looking like a program or a school, a university would have to pay seventy thousand dollars to have the privilege of participating. Would BYU likely get a home game if they were to buy into the CBI? No doubt, uh, absolutely would, because the CBI would be all over BYU as a brand, etc to participate. But here's the thing: I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're out there listening to this and I, you think differently. I really feel like BYU BYU fans are over this men's basketball season. The women's basketball season, it's just getting going. They're making the NCAA tournament. We're going to find out where they're going to be on Monday night. It's selection Monday when it comes to B, the women's NCAA tournament, the NCAA women's tournament. Uh, I know it's selection Sunday on the men's side of things, but on Monday you find out where the women are going to participate, and that's awesome. I'm very excited to cover the women's team. We had Jeff Judkins on with DJ and PK in the morning here on the Zone Sports Network actually this morning morning we're gonna get to some of his comments probably on tomorrow's podcast Uh, but he he talked about his team kind of growing up through this season and winning that West Coast Conference Tournament Championship just being a big deal for them so I feel like the women's team has a lot of interest in it I just feel like the men's team it's apathy I feel like if BYU were to play a home game in the CBI or the CIT do 10,000 fans show up at the Marriott Center I'm not even sure that happens. I would guess maybe 5,000 fans. They would announce more than that, obviously, because programs, they announce tickets sold now, not actual butts and seats. But I just feel like paying $70,000 when the fan base, at least in my estimation, this is your host, Jake Hatch's estimation, is over this season. I think that it would be a bad deal for BYU. I understand that $70,000 in the realm of high-level high, high level Division I athletics isn't that much money, but you're having to pay for the right to continue your, your season when I feel like fans, and based on the performance we saw from the team on Saturday night against San Diego, the team and uh, coaches, and maybe not the coaches, but the team itself, look like they're done with this year. Cut, cut your losses. I understand that Dave Rose has that 20-win uh, streak going, and you may want to extend that so he can get that 20th win. Well, guess what? You're, you're, you're putting lipstick on a pig. At this point, that that's just my take on it. And let me know if you, if I'm if if you think I'm wrong. I'd love to talk with you guys. I'd love to hear your feedback. You guys had great feedback on St. Mary's uh, winning the West Coast Conference men's tournament and making making it into the NCAA tournament via the automatic bid that they earned. And a lot of people upset as BYU fans about that happening when St. Mary's did it in a quote unquote rebuilding year. So let me know if, what you think. But I feel like it would be a mistake for BYU basketball, men's basketball I'm speaking of, to pay for the right to play another game or two in a tournament that has literally no pub nationally just to get Dave Rose to 20 wins. This is nothing against Dave Rose. Don't get me wrong. I don't have a vendetta against Dave Rose. I'm not one of those people out there saying that he needs to step down immediately. He should resign. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if BYU is going to pay for the right to play in this tournament, I don't think the fans are going to show up to it and support it the way that I think BYU would want them to, to make it worth it for BYU to play in that tournament. If I'm wrong, let me know. At Jacob C. Hatch, at Locked on Cougars. I would love to hear from you. And let me know your thoughts on that, but if if I'm, just based on what I've heard from people talking to a couple of friends of mine who are big time BYU fans, they just feel like this season needs to be over and done with and look ahead to next year. And I know that's tough to say, but I, I think it might be the be, in the best interest of BYU. Alright, we will step aside here. We'll come back on the other side. We'll flip gears and talk BYU football. I had a chance to catch up with Zach Daw. He is down about 30 pounds. He's now playing defensive then for BYU and he's actually been one of the standouts early on in spring camp so far. I was excited to catch up with him. We'll let you we'll let you hear what he had to say about his playing defensive end, why make the move from defensive tackle out to end and what it what it means for him having learned how to play on the interior of the defensive line and how it can help him now as he makes the shift to playing on the on on the on the edges of the defensive line, be an edge rusher. It was very interesting to catch up with him. He had some great thoughts, so we'll talk with him next, but a reminder for you before we go that when you're in your vehicle, when you get in, just tell your personal assistant, play podcast Locked On Cougars. It's an easy way to catch up on all the BYU news and notes that you may have missed out on that day. You're driving home from work, there's always news breaking throughout the day, games going on, etc. My goal with this podcast is to have you up-to-date on everything BYU-wise, whether it's BYU basketball, tennis, tiddlywinks, whatever it may be, I am covering it for you, and I want you to be up-to-date. So when you get in your car, tell your personal assistant on your phone or if it's integrated into your vehicle, play podcast Locked on Cougars, and you'll always be up-to-date when it comes to BYU news. So I'd encourage you to do that. All right, more in a moment, talking with Zach Dobb, BYU defensive end next. This is Locked on Cougars. Welcome back. BYU football will have day seven of spring ball today. The media and myself will be down there to watch roughly about the last 30 minutes of practice. We'll have some observations of that for you on tomorrow's podcast. Um, I'm excited to see how this team continues to develop in spring. I've talked about it that should take everything with a grain of salt. I'm looking more for just kind of the overall um, cohesiveness of, of, t- of the team, of how they're playing. If the defense is working well in unison, the offensive line's working well. That's the type of stuff I I look for. I look for the bigger and broader themes versus watching an individual player and uh, projecting him based on a spring ball game of how he's going to do in the fall, and then get to the fall and he's not even on the roster. Hopefully that makes sense. But one guy I can promise you who's going to have a big role on this BYU football team because he had a big role a year ago is BYU defensive end Zach Daw, uh, the former wrestler from Pleasant Grove High School. He's a national champion in wrestling. He's had some um, back injuries throughout his career. He's underwent surgery to correct those, and he's back healthy now. He was a big-time contributor a year ago playing on the defensive line. In fall camp, there were two names that kept popping up when we would watch practices or would hear from people who had been watching practice. They mentioned the names Brackenell, Bakery and Zach Daw as guys that were going to play opposite of Kairos Tonga on BYU's defensive tackle spots and we were like, what are you talking about? These guys are kind of the overachievers, the gritty hard-working guys, but what we saw once they actually got into games and I can think back to games like Wisconsin, uh, the Arizona game, just throughout the season Zach Daw and alongside Brackenell we were fantastic, stalwart players on BYU's defensive line. Well, Zach Daw, this spring we get out there. I see number ninety nine that he wears walking around. I'm like, he got he got pretty skinny. Is he still playing defensive tackle? Well, I'll let him explain why he is now actually lining up at defensive end and showing quite well at that position. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with BYU defensive end Zach Daw. You're making the move to defensive end from the inside out to the outside. Was this this is position you were originally recruited to under Bronco Mendenhall,
1: and now you're kind of going back to it? Yeah, um, that's this is a position I played in high school, and uh, what I feel most comfortable at is playing defensive end. And so last year they just um, were a little bit lower on depth at D-tackle, so they brought me in and kind of helped me with my uh, run game a little bit, but now they've seen um, you know, kind of my body type, so I've leaned out and they brought bumped me back out to defensive end.
0: What do you feel like is your biggest asset having played inside now as you move to the outside?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing that I learned is just being able to stay, you know, in the trenches in the run game and just um, learn a little bit more about leverage and just um, on the inside things develop a lot faster than on the outside it's a little bit slower. And so just to be able to help with my hand-eye coordination and reaction towards blocks of those big offensive linemen um, it's been super helpful to move back out where things are a little bit slower, and you have a little bit more time to read um, as things develop. So,
0: losing a guy like Corbin Kafusi, a lot of people wonder, okay, what's the pass rush going to look like this year? me your assessment through a week of spring about looks
1: um you know Corbin he can't be replaced he's you know a monster and a six foot ten you know workhorse so we'll miss him but um I'm excited about the guys that we have and I think you know we can succeed and uh you know do a lot of great things this year and uh, even better than what we did last year as far as pressure and and the way we work we got all of our defensive ends and defense linemen working really hard and uh just from one-on-ones, um, last year we focused a lot on power and bringing power, but um, Coach Tuiaki's kind of taking a little bit off us and letting us try some things, okay. and uh, a lot of it's working. Um, like guys like Uriah Lopa. Um, um, yeah, Uriah is he's a super finesse guy, and mm-hmm. just to be able to see him move and uh, a couple of guys, J.J. Newigways, coming over from tight end, and he's been able to bring some speed and power and a little, a little bit like that. So... Um, I think we're, we're going to have an awesome, you know, even our tackles are all big, strong, and fast. So um, pass rush, I, I feel bad for the other team's quarterbacks this year. So, Okay, so you said, Coach, like said last year, emphasis a little more on power. So this year, is it more, okay,
0: this is what you're going to go give it a shot. Is that kind of what the idea um, is?
1: So last year we kind of had a little bit more of a uh, newer defense of scheme, okay. for the defense lineman, and now all of us are, are returners mm-hmm. for the most part. We know what he expects, mm-hmm. and uh, he's working with us on our football kind of IQ and our knowledge, and through that knowledge um, we are able to have a little bit more leniency, a little bit of a longer leash on the field of things that we can do and uh, if something's open, we might be able to, uh, you know, move a different way, or or not bring some power and bring some speed, or just kind of be able to gauge it on the scenario rather than like a textbook answer. So,
0: if I recall, early in your career, you've actually even played offensive line for a bit, right? Yeah. How's that been playing three different positions so far through your career?
1: Um, you know, it's been great for me just to be able to learn um, playing offensive line for. Uh, you know, a little bit with my redshirt freshman year, helped me understand kind of their um, thinking process and kind of the technique of how offensive linemen are thinking. And then switching to defensive tackle, just kind of figure out, you know, you have to play a little bit bigger. You know, those guys on the inside, they're no joke. And so uh, just be able to learn how to kind of leverage and use my weight and then moving back outside, just kind of put it all together just to try to become more a complete player, so...
0: Coach Tuiaki talked last week. We were here the first two days. We guys didn't have pads on. He said the defensive line. We'll see when they finally get shoulder pads on how yeah. it changes. Can you explain how much different it is for you guys in the trenches when you guys don't have pads?
1: Um, you know, there's not tons of difference of the speed, mm-hmm. but just what we're able to do as a defensive line, we're able to um, bring more power and bring more, um, you know, of our game with. Than without pads because you know you can pull you get more leverage on shoulder pads um, with that you can hit harder you can come harder there's you know more confidence in what you can do so it's it changes up the game a lot makes it less of a, a foot game and more of a physical battle so last thing for me are you hoping these quarterbacks are made live at some point this spring um you know. I feel bad if they did because, you know, the defense line, we're bringing some serious heat. Um, but I think it would be fun, you know, just to be able to, to actually go and uh, be able to complete kind of the – it's exciting to go, come through, but to just a tag off on a quarterback doesn't satisfy the need. So
0: <laughs> so you're hoping they yeah, they turn them you know, loose.
1: Um, hopefully in the spring game they turn okay. them loose for a little bit. That'll be fun. So, awesome. Thanks so much, Zach. Thank you. Appreciate it. There you go. BYU defensive
0: end Zach Daw. Thank him for taking the time. It was good to catch up with him. And you heard him say there, he feels like his um, learning how to get hand placement, et cetera, working on the interior of the defensive line. Because whoever gets their hands inside when you're on the interior of an offensive and defense line, and pardon me for really breaking this down for you, but The first guy that gets his hands inside, and I'm speaking of on the shoulder pads. If you're an offensive or defensive lineman, the goal on every any well not every on any given play when you have a guy head up on you, so a guy that's lined up directly across from you, is to come out of your stance and immediately get your hands on the shoulder shoulder pads, the the chest plate area of those shoulder pads of the guy in front of you. Whether it's on the defensive, whether you're on the defensive line or offensive line, you want to get those hands inside. The reason why it's all about leverage and this goes back to me I played offensive and defensive line in high school I didn't play at a higher level I have coached these positions in the past so I've learned a little bit about it but the idea of it is you control the leverage of the guy you're going up against if you have control of that chest plate guess what you're moving that guy where you want him to go and you're able to see and control how everything goes and Zach Daw, you heard him talk about hand placement his ability to play violently on the interior is going to help him on the the edges of BYU's defensive line and hopefully it pays off he's shown well so far through spring ball. It was exciting to hear from him about losing that weight and the coach's excitement to move him to that defensive end spot, which is actually his original spot. We talked about the fact that he's moved to offensive line at one point in his career, went to defensive tackle, and now he's back at defensive end. So thank Zach Daw for taking the time and the other interesting note from it he said that uh, Elisa Tuiaki and the BYU defensive coaches along the defensive line in particular are letting these players really kind of um do their thing, whatever they're good at. A guy, let's say Uriah Leatawa, who's been very good early on in spring ball, if he's more of a finesse guy, as you heard Zach Daw talk about, they're a finesse guy, let them use their finesse to get to the quarterback. They don't need to tell a guy who's a finesse guy, well, you need to use brute strength and power and bull rush a guy back to the quarterback. That's not what you need to do. Let them do what makes them successful because you want to generate pressure. A guy like Zach Daw, he is going to be that guy that's going to bull rush a defense, an offensive tackle and just sit him in the lap of the quarterback if at all possible. Uh, Uriah Tau and maybe this Gabe Summers who we've talked about on the podcast previously, they're more of the finesse guys where they use their speed and their athleticism to get around guys. J.J. and Wigway, considering he's a six foot five, two 265", pound of granite, it looks like. He's just chiseled right now. Well, I think he's actually showing some ability to play with some of that finesse in the bend. That's another... Football term right there, bend on defensive ends. It's the ability to kind of fold your body in half and get around or underneath a a tackle's block. And it's it's an interesting thing to watch this happen. But it was was cool to hear Zach say that the coaching staff, they under they the players understand this scheme and what they're doing. So now the coaches are saying, okay, now we're going to let you. I guess eh, freelance maybe the wrong term but they're letting them do what's going to make them successful at least in theory and that's good to hear so some good stuff there from zach daw thank him for taking the time thanks to you guys for your continued support of the podcast we'll take a break here come back on the other side catch up on all everything else going on in byu sports you're listening to the locked on cougars podcast it's kubota orange day shop the years best selection of kubota tractors zero turn mowers and utility vehicles You are locked on, Cougars, as we always do at the end of each show. We catch up on all the other news and notes when it comes to BYU sports. I want you guys to be a well-rounded BYU fan when you're listening to this show. I know that the headliners are football and basketball. Why do you think we spend the majority of all these podcasts talking about those two sports? It makes sense, but I also want you guys to be up to date on everything else going on in BYU sports, especially considering these quote-unquote Olympic sports. They're actually some of the more successful ones, at least in recent years, from the BYU athletic department. That's a debate for another day in terms of where the blame lies with regards to how that's gone but we can talk about that another time let's catch up on everything else going on though we'll start off with women's volleyball um kennedy eschenberg she's a fantastic player for the women's volleyball team they made the final four this past year the bountiful utah native she's one of 12 collegiate players who will represent the united states in napoli italy at the world university games this will be this summer july 4th through the 11th uh, medal round matches on july 13th she's an upcoming junior for the Cougars. She is one of, I think there were four players that went to go try out for this team in Colorado Springs, but cool to see her make this team be one of the 12 best players, at least in these coaches' eyes, to go represent the United States at this University World Game. So congratulations to Kennedy Eschenberg on that honor. A couple other things for you here is the number 14 ranked women's gymnastics team was in action last night in Tempe, Arizona. It was a try meet with number 21 Arizona State and West Virginia at Wells Fargo Arena. Uh, BYU had a tough start to the to, to that meet, ended up finishing second behind host Arizona State, scoring a. Speaking of BYU, they scored a 195.825, losing out to Arizona State's 196.550. Mountaineers. Two Took third with 195.750 so BYU squeaked out that second place finish but congratulations to them I don't think this meet will do anything to really hurt their national rankings they may move down a couple of slots but they've been very good and very steady throughout this year I've talked about it I feel like Guard Young is really building something with BYU and hopefully they're able to continue that they'll have their senior night meet this Friday. So tomorrow against Southern Utah at seven o'clock mountain time in the Smithfield house. So you can go out and watch that tomorrow night. If you would like to, all right, running down the schedule for tonight in BYU sports, there are three teams in action. We'll start off with the women's softball team. They're in Knoxville, Tennessee for the Tennessee invite. They'll have four games. I almost had matches. It's not matches in softball. It's games. They'll have four games over the next couple of days or few days against Tennessee and Texas. Those are the two other teams in this tournament or this invite. Both Tennessee and Texas are ranked in the top 15. BYU begins play tonight, uh, this afternoon actually, at 3.30 p.m. Mountain Time at Sherry Parker Lee Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee against Host Tennessee. So best of luck to Gordon Eakin and, and his team in that game. The men's volleyball team is in action tonight. They're taking on UCLA, who is ranked fourth in the country. BYU ranked ninth currently. This will be at the Smith Fieldhouse. It'll be televised on BYU TV. Jerem Jordan on the call. Tune into that if you're not going to go out to the match. I think it's a, t- it's a fun atmosphere. The Smith Fieldhouse, it goes insane for men's volleyball. So I'd encourage you, if you have any time, go out and watch this. UCLA has been very good this year, as evidenced by their fourth, their number four ranking nationally. But it should be an opportunity for BYU to pick up another big win against the Bruins. And then finally, BYU faces preseason favorite Gonzaga in the opener of their West Coast Conference season in baseball. This game was originally slated to be played in Spokane, but due to unplayable field conditions, Gonzaga is coming to Provo. So a big boon for BYU's opportunity here at Miller Park. The first game is tonight at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. The game will be streamed on the W.TV and also broadcast on BYU Radio. I would encourage you to go out and watch it. weather should be clearing up. I know we had that snow here midweek in Utah, but the weather should clear up and hopefully they can get all these games in. This is a big opportunity for BYU to really make a statement. Gonzaga is one of the powerhouses when it comes to the West Coast Conference uh, overall and BYU can really make a statement with some wins here. That pitching staff for BYU has been lights out so far this year. Hopefully it keeps on going and the offense that showed up against Milwaukee this, this past week and on into the Niagara game early this week. Hopefully they can keep that going as well. So there you go. That is your Thursday night schedule. You can start off at 3.30 with BYU softball, continue with a home baseball game at 6 o'clock and then cap your night by catching the final run with the men's volleyball team at 7 o'clock at the Smith Fieldhouse. It could be a fun night at BYU sports if you don't have anything else going on. I would encourage you to check that out. You can get tickets for both the baseball and men's volleyball games at BYUtickets.com. All right, that's it. That's the show for today. Thanks for joining me on this Thursday edition of the show. Like I said, we'll be at BYU football practice, day seven of spring ball, almost halfway through. We'll be out there this evening to watch everything going on. I'll have a report for you on tomorrow's show as well as interviews, etc. Thanks again for your support of the podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review. Let me know if you do and we'll give you that follow on social media and then we'll also uh, make sure that we are always interacting with you on those social media channels, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be. Also a reminder for you guys when you get in your vehicle, use your smart device. Simply tell it play podcast Locked On Cougars and you'll always be up to date on BYU sports. Thanks again for your continued support of the show. Back tomorrow with more, as we always do. This has been Locked on Cougars for March 14th, 2019.